Welcome to Essential Viewing. I'm Christian Cuevas, and on today's episode, we'll be discussing the 2017 film Super Dark Times, directed by Kevin Phillips and starring Owen Campbell and Charlie Tahan. If you'd like to watch along with us, next episode, we'll be discussing The Batman, the new film written and directed by Matt Reeves and starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright, and Colin Farrell. We've got a great episode lined up for today, so let's get right into it. All right, and we are back with another episode of Essential Viewing. I'm Christian Cuevas here with Cole Bielan and Bryce Kramer. And today we are watching the 2017 film Super Dark Times, uh, directed by Kevin Phillips and starring Owen Campbell and Charlie Tahan. I also want to note this movie is written by uh, Ben Collins and Luke Piotrowski, who is the same writing duo behind last year's movie, uh, The Night House, which I think oh, you I saw, Bryce. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like Night House a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's what we've got for today's episode. Uh, as always, leave us a voice message. We want to hear what you think about Super Dark Times, about the roundtable, about anything, really. And uh, <laughs> also be sure to check out our Instagram at uh, essential underscore viewing. The underscore is very important. Okay. All right. Quick note on that writing duo. They have a, their own, very own Neon Genesis Evangelion podcast where they go through. Oh, it's every the same episode. guys? Yeah. Oh, they have, man. They have the, oh. the podcast. Yeah. Oh, I thought we oh, were wow. going to do that next. <laughs> <laughs> Things are really coming full circle here. All right. Well, let's head over to the uh, Essential Viewing Roundtable. This is where we discuss the films, the television, the media that we've been consuming since our last episode. And uh, Bryce. Why don't you start us off? Yeah, I got a pretty, uh, not not that exciting of a week this time. Most of my time has been spent playing the new uh, video game Elden Ring. Uh, You're spending a, time at a different round table. Yeah, this is this is a, not a gaming podcast. It's a film podcast. So the only, the only movie I watched this week was the new um, Uncharted film. Oh, <laughs> man. Starring Tom Holland <laughs> and Mark Wahlberg. Um, yeah, it wasn't very good. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, I was like, I was very hesitant going into it. And when the movie started, I was like, eh, okay, whatever, whatever. But then like the first sequence, there's like, there's like a Marvel Studios style, like PlayStation Studios thing that rolled before the movie with like different PlayStation characters, like God of War and Last of Us and whatever. And I was like, oh man, maybe this will actually be good. PlayStation always has good stuff. <laughs> and then like the first thing in the movie is like, Tom Holland, like in the, um, like the cargo plane sequence, you know, from the third game. That's a first scene. They they open on that, and then like it jumps back in time, and then they uh, actually get back to that moment later. Like uh-huh. the very first thing, like it said in the movie, is like Tom Holland doing his like, "Oh no, so sorry, I punched you," like that sort of thing. Oh great! <laughs> and I was like, "That's not Nathan Drake. Like that's just Peter Parker." <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I felt like the first half of the movie was like really dry and really bad. Um, but then like <laughs> Damn. the second half, like it kind of it kind of picked up for me. Um, and like I feel like Tom Holland like more and more became Nathan Drake like as the movie like kept going, which is like fine, but not what I wanted to see. Um they like they like made it into like an origin story when like they didn't need that like the first game Uncharted game like they're just in the middle like of an adventure you know 
Yeah. Um, like they don't get into like a lot of the stuff in this in this movie is like very similar to the fourth game when like they actually get into like his past and stuff, and it's just kind of funny. Like the game series, they're like, we don't feel we need to do this until <laughs> the very end, whereas this they're trying to do it first. Um, mm. But anyways, the I don't want to spoil like the stuff I liked because if you ever watch it, that's like the surprises you want to see. But um, there's a really fun cameo for fans of the game. I think I know what cameo it is, Bryce. I've, I read about it. <laughs> yeah, there's um, the after credit scene is really good, and it made me actually want to see the sequel. Um, oh, God. Because like the characters actually kind of become what the characters should look like. And then is the after credit scene like Nathan Drake grows up and just becomes Nathan Fillion because then I'll watch it. <laughs> no, there's this there's this moment in the movie. Where I'll just spoil it. Spoilers for the Uncharted movie. He like <laughs> he like puts, you know, like he does his like two like gun holsters. Mm-hmm. There's like a moment in the movie where like he like finally puts that on and he has like a finally assembled the entire Nathan Drake wardrobe. Like he like <laughs> is slowly assembling it throughout the film. And like he finally puts that on, and like that's the first time, like, the theme song from the games play, mm. and it was kind of a cool moment. But it's like, just give us that for the whole movie. Um, hmm. But the final action sequence of the movie is like insane and like a lot of fun, and a lot of the other scenes in the movie they've been like, kind of like pulling bits and pieces from various games in the series, but the final sequence is like a completely original set piece. It was just like so insane and so fun to watch that like the movie ended on a high note. Um, okay, but yeah. all in all, not very good. Probably like two stars. Oh wow! But yeah. like if you if you if you're bored for an hour and a half and it's streaming probably in a couple months and you you play the games like why not why not watch it? Mm. But that's honest. That's actually the only thing I've watched this week. I haven't even watched any more TV. Oh man. Pretty lengthy uh, segment just for uh, one film. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of like the games, so I wanted to, I wanted to check it out and give it give it a little bit of justice, even though it doesn't huh. deserve much. All right, Cole, what do you, what do you got? Yeah, so so pretty limited uh, for me this week as well. I um I got on the Oscar bandwagon and I sat down and watched The Power of the Dog mm. on uh, Saturday night. Um, I thought it was okay. Uh, I think of all of the three of us, I liked it the least, at least according to our letterbox scores. Um, mm. There were a- aspects of the film that I did like, but I felt that the ending kind of the way that the film concludes kind of like lost out or it kind of didn't really conclude it in a way that seemed very relevant to the kind of themes and rest of the story that was kind of shown earlier in the film. Mm. Um I thought that Benedict Cumberbatch was pretty good, like as a, a rough and tough kind of cowboy type. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I, I realized like if you if you want to watch like a, a gay period piece about cowboys, just watch Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> like um, that that's that's a that's a really excellent film. And um, but yeah, so I watched Power of the Dog. That was fine for television. Um, this kind of goes in line with my. I'll, I'll, I'll go in line. I've been doing like a weekly update on Euphoria. The season finale was last <laughs> night. Um, it's it's like honestly like it's not very good. Um, it's just it's like extremely excessive. Chris and I have like a rant brief rant about this every week. The yeah, other show real. that I kind of caught <laughs> bit, bits and pieces of this week that Bryce had actually watched was this Showtime original Yellow Jackets. Wow. Um, and 
I know Bryce, you really liked it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I I'll say like I I've only seen a couple episodes, but it also to me it has a very similar um at least uh how should, like the type of show it is reminds me of Euphoria in that there are like <laughs> these multiple storylines and like a lot of crazy shit happening that's and a kind of like traumatic or like disturbing things that occur um I like mean, yeah, it's that's, that's the whole point of the show <laughs> yeah but I, i'm just saying like it seems there seems to be a greater trend of these kind of like it almost feels like a shock i have television a feeling show. that in the, over the next oh. few years everything's gonna be reminding you of euphoria <laughs> I, wonder, this, I wonder if this movie we watched today is any other reminders of that <laughs> yes and, and and i will say that also that i'll bring up maybe discussion of yellow jackets um later uh while we're discussing super dark times because there's one very odd similarity between these two films um and but yeah, so I, I got to see uh, bits of Yellow Jackets. It's fine. I think like if you're just in the mood for kind of like a not pulpy, but just like, uh, you know, in, not really engaging, just like kind of, oh, I want to watch something like exciting. Like there's a lot of crazy shit that happens, like to be shocked. Like it's it's a show to watch. I, I'm not I wasn't blown away. Um, and that uh, that is my roundtable. <laughs> All right. Um, so I've got a couple just a couple of picks. So. First off, I was um, uh, coerced uh, into seeing the the new <laughs> the new movie uh, Cyrano with uh, oh, Peter. Oh, Peter I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Chris. <laughs> and listen, I didn't. The marketing did not reveal the crucial fact about this movie, which is that it's a musical. Yeah. So like, I had no idea. Okay. And like, so I go in there and, you know, they're talking about, you know, they got to, you know, the, it's like some Duke is trying to seduce the the main, the leading uh, woman in the film. And, and then she just starts singing out of nowhere. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, You're like, I was get me out of so here. caught off guard. <laughs> Like, she just starts they, singing. Like, it's like, what? They sing in the trailer, like, though. Yeah, there's definitely like singing and dancing numbers but in like, the trailer. But, like, I don't know. I, I saw the trailer a million times. Maybe I just didn't pay that close of attention. But it was somehow completely lost on me that this was a musical. So I was oh, absolutely man. shook when it's they like, started it's singing. It's like a classic play, right? I mean, I knew that. But, like, I didn't know. It was Is it a music? Is it a classic musical? Like, I had no idea. I doubt like, it. Like, maybe no, I'm just being, so. like, I had no clue. So I was just, like, totally caught off guard. And, look. Like we, this whole thing about musicals, you guys know what I think about musicals. I despise musicals with a deep and, <laughs> and burning passion. And look, I can appreciate, even though I hate the genre, right? I think I can tell between bad musicals and good musicals. This was not a good one. Like uh, I, I, I had like no interest in this because the trailer just like did not look good. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I mean, I think uh, kind I of like table table stakes. I yeah, like Peter, Peter Dinklage, but uh, I think not enough for to go see this one. Yeah, I think table stakes for a musical is that the music be good, like for starters, and like I'm sorry, but like most of the cast of this movie couldn't really sing. Mm. including Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Peter one, Dinklage one is reviews, great, but... One of the reviews I saw said, like, none of the songs were catchy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, a lot of them were, like, breathily kind of performed during sword fights, and it just it just didn't didn't work. They were trying to, like, veer into, like, this sort of, like, rap territory, almost, like, Hamilton-esque vibes oh. at times, and it was just really kind of getting into cringe 
territory at times. It was bad. I mean, it was it was kind of there was some it was honestly it was veering into like so bad it's good territory. Like people were laughing, myself included, in the theater at certain certain moments. It, it it's it's a mess of a of a musical. Um. So yeah, that that was that. And then uh, I also saw um, RoboCop. Paul Paul Verhoeven's oh the original uh, RoboCop yes which I had oh, never man. seen before which is great I don't I mean, think was, I've seen it either yeah <laughs> and I mean I maintain that Paul Verhoeven is one of the all time uh, great directors um, and we're definitely going to be watching some of some of, a few of his his works at some point here on the on the podcast but oh, RoboCop man. was great the only thing about RoboCop is it was desperately missing Arnold Schwarzenegger like it needed him to be to be the main character to like, be the RoboCop. Yeah, like it really it really needed him, you know, and you could just feel the void like of him not being in the movie, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, other than that, it's like great like 80s B action, sort of like a subtle kind of social commentary on like the I mean, I don't know if it's subtle, but a kind of a social commentary on the the police industrial complex. As you mm-hmm. like to call it, Cole. Uh, yes, we as we like to call it. <laughs> as we like to call it. Essential yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's great. I'll, I'll uh, say this: we, you you have to watch now the the our RoboCop remake, which is where that that notorious scene that I know I've shown you guys came <laughs> yeah, from, yep. where they where RoboCop just shoots all the dicks of all the guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like an interesting bit of history is like they, they remade the movie and they basically distributed scenes to a bunch of different filmmakers. And so each they have multiple scenes that are made by different people. Yeah. Um, and that particular scene came from one group of filmmakers. I don't know who. But yeah. there's just like a bunch of different styles and, and types that uh, come together for that. I was just reading that about that. And I, I want to check that out. Yeah, it sounds cool. Um. Yeah, um, that was that was all I was all I watched. It's all I think I watched. Oh, uh, okay. I've been playing a lot of Cyberpunk 2077. My, my, <laughs> my gaming, my gaming note. It's pretty good. The people poor should... man's Elden Ring. Nah, people, people should give it a chance. They fix the bugs. People <laughs> should give it a chance. Um, but all right. Uh, let's, uh, let's get up from the table, push our, push our chairs in and go into the, uh, the synopsis. Uh, Cole, why don't you, uh, synopsize super dark times? Yeah. So we're talking about super dark, gritty, grimy, nasty times today. Um, this film, uh, well, okay. So brief synopsis, this film features, um, a group of a small group of friends in this, uh, small town. I thought it was in the Pacific Northwest, but I think it's in upstate New York, um, kind of going around, uh, in the nineties in kind of an unnamed suburb and they're going about their days, kind of doing stuff that, you know, you'd expect like middle school, high school kids to get up to. And a, uh, tragically an event happens that shakes them to their core and they must deal with for the rest of the film. Namely, um, while messing about with a like a Walmart katana, one of and, and arguing, um, one of the uh, kids whose name is Josh, I believe, accidentally stabs their kind of annoying friend Daryl in the throat, and um, in a very grisly scene in which Daryl then runs away and pr- proceeds to die, and the three other kids, Josh, um, I honestly forget the other kids' names. If you guys can help uh, me out here, it's, it's Zach. Josh and then there's the, the the little kid Charlie, Charlie I think. Yeah. Yes. Um they all discuss, you know, what are they going to do? Uh they you know, they're all, you know, like 
eighth or ninth grade, so really young. Um, and they decide to cover up the body or like leave it in the woods, try to dispose of the katana fairly poorly. And then the the guilt and stress that they f- uh, encounter afterwards starts to kind of simmer beneath and and then eventually boils over um, as the film progresses. And it's kind of, the rest of the film kind of deals with them uh, dealing with the this this horrible event that occurred. Um, I think that was fairly brief. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, I, if you guys want to add any final details, <laughs> um, um, no, I think it's you got it. It's very important that this film you emphasize this film is set in the nineties. <laughs> yes, so released in twenty seventeen. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. I mean that that was a pretty good synopsis. So mm-hmm. let's let's uh, head over to the uh, the the exchange. The exchange. And, uh, <laughs> let's 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 bull or bear, huh? Uh, bull or bear. Which will remind the viewers that that bullishness <laughs> and Bryce case, uh, and uh, me and Bryce specifically that was mainly just for Bryce uh, that you. bullishness indicates a positive sentiment, whereas bearishness indicates a negative sentiment. Uh, so, with that reminder in mind, Bryce, why don't you uh, give us your thoughts here? Yeah. So I was I I didn't like read or know anything too much about this movie going into it. So I was. Um, I was bearish just because it was a crisp pick. Um, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and I tend to usually not like them as much. Um, but I was I was uh, bullish because like the poster looked pretty cool and kind of like, all the art I saw. You know, when I searched it up on Hulu, looked pretty cool. Um, so yeah, not not too much prior impressions before going in. But um, you know, honestly, I ended up really liking it. Um, it felt like. This is like a comparison Chris, maybe only Chris will get, but it felt like like a Life is Strange game meet, yeah. meets Stephen, like a Stephen King short story. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just like like the setting of like, uh, like Life is Strange is like, it's always like a, like kids like in some sort of school, like they're young and like some horrible, crazy things are happening to them, which like they're way too young to deal with, um, which is exactly what, what this movie is about. And then you know, kind of the grisly details kind of fits in sort of a kind of a Stephen King sort of story. Um, and I like both those things. So you put it together in this movie and I liked it as well. Um, I liked it because of that. A um, couple other quick notes. I felt like the beginning was really good in terms of like a very like legitimate um, except or not a realistic depiction of like just kids hanging out. Yeah. And the amount of like cursing and profane language they throw around <laughs> yeah like like these kids just like going about their day-to-day things felt like felt like very real like i felt like they were like they were like doing things that like i would do as a kid like <laughs> when i was a kid like we like bought some like coconuts and like took them to the park and like smashed them with bats <laughs> <laughs> and like you know just like riding your bike around like your friends house. like it all felt like very very realistic and especially in the ways like the kids like converse and talk to each other um and that, that part of the movie really reminded me of just like kind of like the vibe you get from kind of like a Life is Strange um, game, just kind of like day-to-day life. And then I think I was a little set back when, you know, the the twist happens, or not the twist, but kind of, you know, the main event happens that kind of sets the rest of the movie in motion. I didn't expect it. I mean, it was called Super Dark Time, so I guess I should have seen <laughs> something coming, but it was just such a such a pretty crazy shock. And um it hit it's 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 very strange because it hit a bit close to home because um where i went to high school 
there was actually like an event where this my my high school is called Nicolay High School, and like this kid got attacked in the woods by our high school by somebody like, dressed up as a ninja with a sword. Oh my oh. god! Gee, <laughs> like it was like a a younger kid like the, the, the student that attacked them like didn't go to our school, um, but they said like, they were like defending the woods or something, and the rumor was like. They were like dealing drugs back there or something, and, and like the the guy dressed as a ninja was like trying to to stop that. But I don't know. Nobody nobody died from Damn. this, but like the person got injured and like the other the other guy got got arrested. Um, but that just kind of <laughs> sent me sent me back. It was just this weird like I don't know. I just felt like fairly like uncomfortable and like um, mm. a little sick to my stomach just kind of like watching this movie and kind of the, some of the things that were that were being shown, but. Um, I, I did think it was pretty good. I think at the end, some of like the thematic elements they're going for kind of get like lost along the ways. Like there's some some themes in terms of like this like friendship between the two boys and how it kind of like falls apart. But like I don't know, it just like I feel like thematically didn't hit for me super super strong at the ending. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, I think. Um, Bryce, I agree with your point about the the themes toward the end kind of fizzling out and not really wrapping up uh, well. I yeah. I was I was bullish coming into this film because I had not seen it before. I I heard of it. I remember I distinctly remember seeing the poster for it, and I remember thinking it looked cool, but never actually watched it or knew really anything about the movie. Starting out, it set this the stage very well in terms of the the tone for the film. You know, these kids going around. Um, the kind of you know language they're using, riding on their bikes, it was very nostalgic, and it reminded me very much of the uh, bo- the film based on the Stephen King short film Stand by Me. <laughs> yeah, um, if you guys have, I'm, I'm not sure if either of you guys have seen that, but oh yeah, um, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, that that's one I watched a long time ago, and it it felt very similar to this, um, both in kind of vibe and the the subject matter, more or less. Um, so I was I was excited to come uh, for the first honestly like three quarters of the film and then I did think the ending kind of fumbled a bit. Um, the it, it didn't to me the the actual like written work that like of the script of the film and like the the decision they made to conclude it made it lose out on some of that thematic weight. Um, and I left the film not bearish but at like a solid hold <laughs> uh, position. I was. Um, this film is really stylistically impressive, or it, it, I I really enjoyed it. The the um you can tell that there's some serious skill and talent behind the camera. Um, there's some really excellent shots and some really incredible kind of transitions and song selections. Uh, notably, the, my favorite one was when um the the main character, more or less main character Zach, is sitting in the principal's office and he's sitting next to a girl who's like listening to like house music or dance music, and it's you slow it slowly starts to fade in and then there's a close-up shot of the disc like spinning in her walkman and then it transitions to a party that he goes to later and that same song is playing at the party and that scene it was just like really amazing that that um, kind of soundtrack and like indie indie house music really reminded me of like life is strange soundtracks yeah. oh really <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah uh but yeah, so that, that, that was my, you know, my uh, position uh, entering bullish, leaving with the hold. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, obviously I was I was bullish because it was my own pick. Um, and again, I hadn't seen this movie for some time. I think I saw it back in 2017 when it came out. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think it was on Netflix pretty soon after it came out because I definitely saw it on Netflix. Um, and I think like, you know, I, I really thought this movie was awesome when I first saw it. Like I was super just like blown away by it. And I think this is a movie that with the benefit of hindsight and also I think my taste has evolved a bit since I was a young, uh, however old I was in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a, 12. A fool. You're 12 yeah, years when old. I was 12 back when I was 12 in 2017. Um <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel like this movie kind of falls apart a little bit upon repeat viewing. I think that like it's an incredibly strong setup. Um mm-hmm. with like a great a great setup with a lot of potential. I I think that they do a great job of establishing that certain kind of tone that that you get with the combination of like this sort of small town suburbia setting with a bit of a sense of like wonder kind of almost and possibility Very, uh, blue velvet. <laughs> yeah. And I, and like, you know, the life is strange comparison is great. I feel yeah. like it, it hits the exact same tone. And there's also a character with blue hair. <laughs> right. I feel like it hits the exact same tone as that game. Although that game yeah. does a lot more with, with it than this movie does. Um, but I, you know, I think that like they, they take, they take that that's premise and they just like don't know what to do with it. Like they, yes. they it just kind of make a mess of it and sort of throw away what could have been a very kind of, uh, you know, gripping thriller. It, it They don't know how to like play, play the game as far as a thriller. And they just sort of, it just sort of, it turns, it turns, it turns into a mess almost as much as the, the situation that they're in turns into a mess. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I, I thought that, um, I, like watching the film and like after this, you know, this main event happened, this kid is is killed in the woods. I had no idea how it was going to resolve or what was going to happen next. And it kind of felt like the writers didn't either. Yeah. They just needed a way to kind of quickly button up the film. Um, yeah. But but yeah, sorry to interrupt you, Chris. No, no, it's fine. Um, But, um, you know, I it's interesting, too, because like this idea of like the unevenness is like you even see it in the cinematography of this movie, because on the one hand, you have like some great cinematography, especially the kind of work that happens with silhouettes. Obviously, silhouettes are a big element of the visual style of this movie. They're featured pretty prominently on the poster for the movie. Mm-hmm. And like you see, you have some really excellent shots and like excellent moments, like when he's like, like uh, going all out on his bike to try and to try and find uh, when the main character is like trying to find Josh and he's like pedaling super hard and like, you know, like the transition you mentioned, Cole, but then you also have like some really cheesy shots where they like go way overboard with the bokeh and it looks like somebody who's like just got a new camera and they're like excited about all the like blurry lens effects you can get. And like has this, Mm. it almost veers from like looking like a really kind of professionally crafted film to almost at times looking a bit like, like a college, like student, indie kind of thing at times. So I think there's just a theme in this movie of just kind of unevenness and just sort of like, yeah, kind of like a waste opportunity. I can, I can, I can see watching it why I thought it was so cool the first time I saw it. Mm -hmm. But I also am seeing like all these glaring flaws with it that like make me unable to respond to it the same way that I did back as it when I was a youngling in 2017. Um, but I think with all that said, I think that the the major element of the movie um, that I want to talk about is what they ended up doing with the the, the character of um, Josh, you know, the yeah. very distinctive looking fellow with the sword. The um, second 
that guy's face was on the screen. I was like, oh, this guy's trouble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just I mean, he from has his face. Like, no, this this guy's no good. He has I quite a know. quite a face. He's like, I have, I have letterbox pulled up, and one of the reviews is just for or for Super Dark Times is just he looked like he would do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is pretty great. Yeah, he's somehow like he's like the op. He's like the exact opposite of Timothy Chalamet. Like, <laughs> like they're both the same idea, but like expressed in completely opposite directions. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like their faces. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, obviously like, so the, the, I don't know if I even call it a twist or what, but okay. Spoiler zone for whoever hasn't seen this movie, um, and wants to watch it, which you should watch it. I think it's a good movie, but basically it turns out that he basically loses his mind and becomes like a serial killer basically. Mm -hmm. Right. And I feel like, and I want to get your guys opinion on this. I feel like this was kind of like you said, Cole, this was the the clear sign of like, they just didn't know what to do. And Mm -hmm. they kind of just like, it almost felt like they just had a few options on the board and they just picked one. And that was the one they picked. There's, Um, There's that scene where like, um, his friend, like the main character, Zach, like pieces together, like, oh, like he killed everyone. And it, yeah. he's like putting these pluses, like these pieces of this puzzle together. And it's like this moment we're supposed to be like, oh, as if you're like, oh, this all makes so much sense now. But you're just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Well, well so for part of me, too. Well, when when Zach was starting to say, like, there's this um, after the death of Daryl, the really annoying kid that gets stabbed in the woods, then there's the kind of this drama and and tension that's building up between the two characters zach and josh and then eventually another character whose name is john i believe uh is found dead they he seems to have jumped off the bridge in town that they were crossing earlier and zach kind of kind of it seems like he takes a stab in the dark and says oh i bet josh killed him um yeah and at when when he starts to kind of uh theorize these things to me i thought oh wow this this like event that happened between these two characters is really getting to him and he's getting very paranoid right so then when he's like oh no he like he went and got the sword and he's gonna go kill these other people i was like no he's not like he's just (laughs) like he's just hanging out and then but then he does and you're like oh he he was like 100 percent right and it doesn't really make sense from like a story Uh, perspective like how he's able to just like predict everything and then you just watch it happen (laughs) Well, I read an interview with the writers of this movie and they were talking about how like they had this idea of kind of like watching someone, you know, kind of spiral into sort of darkness and not Mm -hmm. being able to do anything about it and just sort of being able to having to watch it. And like, I get that. And that's a cool idea, but they totally failed to do that because you don't even see it. You don't even see the process disappears from the movie for a while. Yeah, he just disappears and then he shows up again as the samurai killer. With his sword, like running around stabbing everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was very strange, and I think that that exact point, like when the whole time he's like in the house with the two girls, um, that he's hanging out with, he's one he one he slams that glass of milk. That should be the first sign that <laughs> something's up with this kid. Um, what are the, what's the, the other movie we watched with the milk? This like always happens. Le- Leon the Professional. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Clockwork Orange. Like anytime people are out drinking a full glass of milk, like you got to watch out. Yeah. Um, which is concerning because <laughs> I, I only my, drink oat milk. milk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then uh, and then he has this like, you know, long thing that's wrapped up in a towel 
And the whole time, you're, I was like expecting him to be like, oh, it's like wrapping paper. We're going to wrap Zach a present or something. But no, he brings it out and it's the sword that he killed this kid with on accident. And then they're just like hanging out, playing with it. And the next scene, Zach busts into the room and there's a dead girl and another one is tied yeah. up. It's just it, it was like um, it was very shocking, but not in a way that was enjoyable. It was just kind of like, oh, they they really just. He, they, he spelled out what was going to happen and he was totally right. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, there's there's some angles, right, that they there's some angles that they played at but didn't do anything with. Like you, mm-hmm. we mentioned, like, this angle of a kind of a mystery of, like, who's doing the murders, right? It's like mm-hmm. it wasn't really much of a mystery because obviously it was like it was like, I mean, I'd already seen the movie, but like. It wasn't like some they're going to bring in some random character who's a killer. Like, obviously, it was one of the it people the who middle was, schooler. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was one of those was, two. Right. He was very chill about, like, everything that was happening. He was like yeah, the he, most rational of the group. He, he was the coolest middle schooler I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> so they had the mystery angle. Right. But then they had another more interesting angle, which was the main guy, Zach, kind of like, you know, they sort of set him up as kind of being kind of like a feckless kind of coward. Of a character, uh-huh. right? But then they have him kind of spiraling into paranoia, right? And I thought that was pretty interesting. Like, he's getting paranoid and he's doing all these things that, like, if you've watched any true crime show before, you know you shouldn't do any of these things. Like, don't go back to the scene of the crime. Don't go walk, go, go calling everyone you know and talking about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he does uh-huh. all these things because he's getting so paranoid. So I thought, okay, that could be an interesting angle. Like, his paranoia, maybe... I almost I was thinking today like it would have been better if he'd been the one who he got so paranoid that he started killing people to try and as in some insane attempt to try and cover it up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It just felt a bit juvenile for it to be like, oh, the man with the weird face is <laughs> is the one doing the killings. Like, of course he is, you know. Yeah. There's also the story thread of like they were both interested in like the same girl who's like the female right. lead of the movie, Allison, right? And it's like it felt like there was some like tension between the two boys, like because like they were both kind of attracted to her. Um, but like she's like, you know, only interested in Zach. And like for some reason, like she continues to be interested in him after he like yeah, for continu- some reason continually some- <laughs> like shuts her down. Like some unknown reason when he displays the negative game skills, like when this girl is like coming on to him the whole time. <laughs> negative. I think game. he was just like com- extremely disturbed by like everything that has been happening to him. Right. And didn't like want to get involved with anyone. But like, yeah. At the same time, like there's this story thread that like, oh, for some like it felt like them both liking her, but her liking him was something that like drew them apart. But that just kind of like, yeah, they could have done something with that, too, but they didn't really do anything with that either. Bryce, you mentioned how there's also like the movie like opens and closes with Allison as well. Like with that weird bit in the beginning where like there's the deer in the Mm -hmm. the school and like the whole first scene is her. Right. Like seeing the deer getting put out of its misery. And then, like, the movie also done ends with her, like, in the classroom, like, right. scars on the back. I didn't quite get what was happening. So I, I have – so I, in the interview with the writers, they were talking about that. So that was, like, basically they they were concerned in writing this movie about her being the so-called manic pixie dream girl, right? Mm. And they wanted her character to kind of, like, have – her own sort of identity outside of just her relationship with the two guys, you know? Yeah. 
So like that was kind of like that was a very intentional thing that they did. I don't think it really worked. Like I don't think it really accomplished what they were trying to accomplish. Like it, it kind of just felt like arbitrary. Yeah, in I like, the, in the film. think of like parts of her character in this movie besides like her being attracted to Zach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's and, like, it kind of and I can't think of anything, which is like definitely a problem when you're <laughs> writing characters and the only you know thing they have is being attracted to another person yeah Yeah. the the opening scene i kind of just took as them setting a tone for the for this town or that this like you know this very strange kind of unsettling thing happened and maybe is priming the viewer for the more unsettling things that happen later on um but that ending scene to me felt kind of like they were uh you know they they finish up josh goes on this rampage and is, and eventually is a, is like detained and then they cut to Allison back in class with these scars on her neck that she sustained from the encounter with Josh when she I think he tied her up and and or maybe cut her um but it seems to like hint at some sort of like commentary on like the male gaze or that was some of the other reviews I had seen um for this film or write-ups I had seen and I thought that was kind of a weak uh take in that like they they address it a little bit. I think the first scene you, you where you introduced to Zach and Josh is when they're looking through the yearbook talking about, you know, the teachers that they think are attractive and like the students that think they're attractive. But then they don't really deal with that much later on. And then toward the end, you had this one kid that's sitting behind Allison in class that's like looking at these scars. And it just mm-hmm. felt like a, a weak sort of attempt at um at returning to some theme that wasn't really developed earlier in the film i thought it was like to show that zach is no longer in school either like he got arrested also yeah that could be um yeah his his fate is kind of not really determined that was that was Um, my assumption like oh he's no longer in school either but it was still like vague and like not very impactful way to end the yeah i think another another speaking of sort of half-baked things in the movie you know the 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 opening with the dead deer is one element. I think that's literally a thing in um. I feel like there's something exactly somewhere that happens in Life is Strange, um, to that. But but basically, a lot of the times the movie kind of flirts with like horror. You know, you have that whole dream sequence where there's like a hole in the ceiling and there's like the what the puddle and like there's like yeah. Daryl's like, like reanimated body was supposed to pull back to like when they were in the convenience store. Yes, and the one kid was like. Has that always been in the ceiling in yeah, like right. an air vent or something? Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. The, I, 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 will, I will say, there, and during one of those dream sequences, it, it's when um, I, I, Zach is asleep and then uh, Daryl is sitting on him, I think, in his dream. And then when it cuts back to him yeah. waking up, very briefly, you still, flash, yeah. you still see Daryl sitting on him. And then his mom walks in the room and he's gone. And like, that was pretty unsettling. I yeah. will say, but again, um, it just felt a bit like like the, like now these guys are like horror. The writers of this movie are like horror people through and through. Like that's their thing, and you you know obviously they've done the Nighthouse now, which is more of a pure and true horror film. But it, honestly, in this film, to me, the the horror flirtations felt a little bit out of place. I think a good comparison is like the movie Spencer, which. You know, obviously we had complaints about, but I think that the the flirtation I with didn't horror. Have any complaints about? Well, yeah, them. not not you, but I'm gonna say something me. positive about the movie, which is okay. that I think that the flirtations with horror in that movie, even though it wasn't a horror movie, they managed to dance on that line pretty well. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this yeah. movie, it felt a bit 
out of place. I don't know what do you what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think that um in the dream sequences it kind of made sense because Zach is being tormented by this thing that that he helped cover up, but yeah. I, I, it didn't it didn't have a ton of emotional impact or they could have, I think they could have gone further with it for sure. But it's almost a cliche. It's like you, you, you did a murder and now you're having nightmares about the murder. It's almost yeah. like a cliche at that point. There's also the really strange dream where like, he's like having like sex, like in the woods. Oh man. And like this one didn't like go. That was like either. some, that was like the lighthouse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I just didn't know what to what to make of that. And then like he like <laughs> wakes up in class and goes to the bathroom. And I don't know what he was doing in there, but I didn't I was I, I think he'd uh, he'd 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 recently uh oh yes he, into a, a nutty situation. Uh, who yes. does that? Like what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um there speaking of things that you don't know what to make of, that scene where I think it's in the it's not in a dream. And there's the girl that's sitting behind him in class, clicking her. Pen oh, yeah. And, and moaning. That was just really bizarre and didn't really resolve and in, in anything. It didn't make any sense at all. No. I, I, took, I took that as like she was like giving him shit because like he's now an item with uh, Allison. But but like it was but during yeah, like who does that? <laughs> it, it was just like it was during the announcement um that the principal was making over the loudspeaker and it just seemed to me it seemed like she was just like being a child and like not caring about what it, the the person was saying it, but I yeah I was It weird. felt like they were it was like that was like the beginning of some sort of psychological breakdown that never actually happened in the movie and again you have so you have that element and then you know we got the scene the basically lighthouse scene in the forest where he's mm -hmm. getting with allison again it's like the the lust for allison was like an element that like was all actually played out a lot even the first scene when they're looking at the yearbooks that's like a crucial um kind of thing that they talk about and where uh josh the killer is talking about how how attracted he is to Allison. And then Zach is like, Oh, we know her. Like we shouldn't, we shouldn't talk about her like that. Cause we know her. And like they're, they, so they, they kind of stake out that they, they have different approaches to like, um, you know, how they view relationships and stuff. And mm -hmm. I feel like that was an interesting thing that I guess kind of got explored. Cause one of them ends up literally tying girls up and cutting them with his sword while the other one ends up saving them. But I don't yeah. know. I feel like they still could have done more with that idea as well. Yeah. It, I don't know. Yeah. I another, think another red flag was that um, Josh <laughs> in his, his bedroom at his home, he didn't, he didn't actually have like a bed. He just had a futon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> poor sleep will turn you into a psycho killer. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Um, He's also out here calling out people on Zelda not being uh, Link. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those, these are just like things that I'm I'm kind of cringing about in retrospect. Um, I oh, there was one thing. Oh, the in terms of I think we're 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 kind of just rambling about uh, points of the film at this point. But um, Bryce, the reason I brought up Yellow Jackets earlier is that the opening kind of the, like title card for this film. Um, is oh, like yeah it's very similar yes uh for for you chris because i don't I, I assume you haven't seen it but um yeah. like the title card for this film is like the the weird distorted kind of like vhs playback and then it eventually like super dark times flashes onto the screen very yeah. briefly um which is a, it's a cool 
visual trick, I think. I think right. it looks it looks pretty good. The title sequence for the show Yellow Jackets does that exact same thing, except oh, really? it's like two minutes long. <laughs> um, and honestly, I, like when I was watching it, um, uh, you know, last week, it, it, rem- it I felt like it was like an epilepsy trigger, <laughs> honestly, like lots huh. of flashing, distorted lights yeah. um, and a little unnerving. But um, I, I don't know if the whoever created Yellow Jackets just like kind of saw this and plucked it out. I don't mm-hmm. think it's that original of a thing either, but it, it was very similar. The title sequence was cool. I like how it just popped up so slightly that you don't even don't even notice it, which is also kind of a recurring theme in this movie of just kind of stuff briefly popping up that you'd have to like kind of <laughs> like yeah do a double take on you know what yeah. that you guys know what that is right like it, it was like so apparently i mean i feel like we weren't burned early enough in the 90s to be aware of this and also we don't we don't view this kind of adult media of course because it's a family-friendly podcast but it was a, it used <laughs> to be a thing that like there was like scrambled signals coming into the tv and if you like mess with the channels enough you could get like scrambled like porn signals oh into your tv that's what okay. they were doing and that's like a 90s thing you know okay. like um <laughs> apparently uh huh. it's like some video drum shit when they're yeah like apparently <laughs> yeah. you could like catch like the 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 the, the, the like loose signal of like whatever like skinamax type oh, man. stuff that was flying over the airwaves on your tv um, and you'd have to just like wait for like the little blips of a of a you know a nipple or something to, to pop up, and that was it's how like, you. It's like you the know. classic Friends episode where Joey and Chandler somehow get the porn channel on their TV. Oh, okay. but nice. then like they're afraid to turn the TV off or change the channel because they don't think they'll ever get oh, it back again. It. This is now a Friends podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, thank you. I, I feel like we've been ragging on the film for a bit, and it might do us some good to talk about things we liked because there were some elements of this film that yeah. i did like um i'll start off by saying um i well okay this is, it, 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 the emotion that it elicited from me was the closest i could feel to like pure dread that i've gotten since watching hereditary um hmm. i i think you guys have both seen it uh, bryce have you yeah I've okay seen hereditary yeah uh, there's a big, I mean, this film's been out for a few years now, but, um, the, uh, um, a young child dies in hereditary in a very gruesome way. Yeah. And it, yeah. it, it made me feel such a like distilled sense of dread watching that. And in this film, they were able to kind of recreate it, or I guess, I think this film came up before hereditary, but it, it in that way of like something really awful happens and you have no idea what to do or like how to do it. And it's like, not really your fault but it's it's like something very serious and it's um just something that doesn't get put on the screen that often but when it does it really gets a response from me that's and a I, very yeah. that's a very good comparison cool I, f- I felt like i didn't think of that watching it but like i felt very similar we're like just kind of like disturbed and like yeah a little like sick like the entire time watching the movie very similar to hereditary and also with hereditary i felt like hereditary didn't like have this and thematically extremely strong and i felt the same way to this as 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 in this one mm-hmm. i mean one thing yeah. i think the movie did well is like kind of like you know you have this idea of nostalgia that's obviously kind of is like the the engine that powers all media at this point um <laughs> and i think that like there's an interesting kind of idea of like you know if you have the idea of like Looking back, maybe if you have some event that happened in your childhood that's like kind of dark, right? And like looking back at that and like 
kind of seeing it wrapped up in all the nostalgia that you'd have because obviously like you know it's your childhood but then like kind of like that mixture of like you know if you went through something traumatic with your childhood friends and it's like that maybe like changed that relationship and damaged it forever but like they're still your childhood friends and like there's still nostalgia and there's still like good moments but all those emotions are kind of mixed together with this sort of darkness surrounding this sort of dark event. It's almost kind of like looking back at something that like maybe you would never talk about, right? But it's like people that you knew from the past would all would all know about it without having to say anything, you know? Hence the title, is, like Super like the Dark exact, Times. Like concept in like it when like all the kids like for <laughs> like everybody from Derry, Maine like forgets like the horrors that happened in this town due to like yeah. the lies and everything happening. But then, like, yeah. as, like, they, like, they, like, it literally, like, leaves their minds and, like, they don't remember it anymore. But, like, as, right. like, they sort of, like, see each other and, like, talk to each other again, like, all these ideas, like, kind of come, come flooding. Right. Back. Like, the idea you're, you're discussing is, like, exactly, like, presented in that, that it novel. Right. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like this movie, it did an interesting thing of presenting very kind of dark, traumatic events, but presenting them in the way almost as, like, a dream or a memory, you know? So they still have yeah. that kind of romantic kind of haze over them even though it's like super messed up what happened you know and i thought that's like a very specific kind of vibe to achieve and i thought that they did a very good job of creating that sort of sensation with this movie you know yeah absolutely i think that um that that's a much more detailed i think description than what we what i said earlier about like just feeling nostalgia for childhood and like painting this picture of these these kids running around a suburban town um, yeah. But yeah, I I, I like that uh, yeah. quite a bit. I think one like thematic element that I that I liked or that I thought that it did well was um kind of kind of similar to like our discussion of Blue Velvet in the sense like there can be like you know darkness or like evil or violence like hidden in these like you know usually picturesque like suburban neighborhoods. Um, mm -hmm. I think it did a good job of showing like okay like anybody can commit these these evil sort of things um and just kind of like out of nowhere as well like you know like josh and what's his face josh and the other kid are like are like best friends and like that that changes like you know in the the snap of a finger which is very unexpected and it does a good job of presenting it in that, that unexpected way and then I, I also really liked the you know the first act or so before the um you know the, the first the first accidental death happens in the woods. Um, I thought it did a really good job of like just this, like just like this, this high school hangout vibe. Like it, yeah. it just captured that very well. Um, I could have just watched the whole movie of that where, where nothing bad ever happened. <laughs> huh. It kind of reminds me of the movie brick, which I know you've seen Bryce. Yeah. I, I need to watch that. I, I saw a comparison drawn. Brick between is the brick Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Noir one, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like another high school kind of. It's like I, this genre, which obviously has turned Brick to something Brick else. Is very strange because like it's it's just a noir movie that like happens yeah. in a high school. Yeah. yeah, but this whole genre where where like high school kids have like way more kind of freedom and agency than they like 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 on the level of like fully grown adults, you know, and they're like doing <laughs> all these. Like I love how in this movie it's like the there's this scene where um. Uh, where when Josh comes over to to Zach's house and they like 
they like go outside and talk on the porch as though they're like, and it, the, the scene kind of plays out as almost like they're two like kind of mobsters or something, you know, like, oh, let's go outside and talk about this outside. <laughs> but it's like literally like their mom is there and she's like, I have chicken. And like, they're uh -huh. like talking business, like adults, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, it's like a whole thing of where like this kind of genre where kids are like, kind of like super supernaturally like independent and able to like handle these sort of situations not well I, don't know. I mean when i was a kid i would just get on my bike or or take the car and go wherever i want <laughs> yeah bryce when you when you were saying that this film reminded you a lot of your childhood it, or like yeah, high school times like you know riding around hanging out with your friends smashing coconuts with bats like i understand that this film reminded me of my childhood because the main character had no game whatsoever <laughs> he had negative game negative well, he game did. he I just said. didn't like cash in no no he had no game the whole time i was like the whole time i was watching it i was like clenching my fists is like oh my god this is i i've, I've seen I kept this thinking, before i kept thinking my guy this is literally your last chance like you're going to prison like yeah like come on oh man but i don't know i feel like we've we've uh had some pretty good <laughs> discussion i don't know we've how much some more super, there is some super dark times yeah. here on, on the podcast i i'd be remiss <laughs> if i didn't interject with this joke this film is really half baked you could call it super dank times uh, 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 thank uh, you uh, I, I, <laughs> there you go that's my that's my, my weekly just like fall flat uh, joke after citizen cocaine last uh, week we're so sarcastic on this podcast we might we should change the name to super snark times you know oh my god <laughs> are we gonna do this <laughs> the movie this movie set on the ocean it's called super shark times <laughs> you know i wish i wish the kids would have just got together like dressed up got on some adventures you could have called it super larp times Oh, oh, Bryce, this is an obvious one. The, 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 it's this film, but it's animated and all the characters are dogs. It's super bark times. Yeah, uh, I would watch that. You know, when, when you're when you're when you're driving to the to the grocery store and, you know, you get there, and it's time to super park times. <laughs> uh, all right, that's it. No, there's one more. It's, it's a. You throw on this movie just be, just for for no reason, kind of. You you do it on a super lark times. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> all you know, right, all, that's all it. These kids eventually want to get into a, a good high school. They have to take their 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 placement tests. You know, they they get a they get a thirty six on their ACT. Some super smart times. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, <laughs> now that that's it. That's. <laughs> I think we killed it. Yeah, we um, killed it. Yeah. So. <laughs> With that said, any 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 uh, last call points anyone would like to make that aren't that aren't wordplay puns? <laughs> the, only, the only last call I still have is when um, like he went to Allison's house because he thought like she was in danger that Josh was going to kill her there, right? Yeah. And then he finds out, oh no, she went to somebody else's house. I don't remember the other girls. Megan. Megan's house. <laughs> Instead of riding his bike from her house to Megan's house, he decides to run. <laughs> He, my guy goes at an all-out sprint. Like, yeah. surely you get get there faster if you ride your bike, which you already had with you. It just yeah, pissed me off. And then my favorite part of the movie is like when the one guy, the guy like, there's the one guy that was like the the drug dealer that um, it's it's said that Josh killed like the second the second person that dies. Right? He, he wanted drugs from Josh. He wanted weed yeah. from Josh. But yes. Oh wait, no. I thought I thought he was also dealing because there's that. That the guy like tells um, oh, oh, Zach yes. in, I, I, in his college in his like biology class, and he's like, "Oh, I was gonna get some weed from him," and then like he keeps asking. I think that <laughs> guy was just weed. like a 
that guy was just like a degenerate, basically. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Buy some, sell some. It's no difference. Yeah. Oh man, I I don't know if I have anything to contribute for last call, aside from the 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 film stars. It's the same kids, but they all go on to become electrical journeymen and super spark times. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's it. That's my last call. You know, also, the shot of like them like riding their bike like down the the road was just like plucked straight out of Stranger Things. I feel like that shot with like where the road kind of curves down and then curves back up in the distance is like such a like any suburban biking kids movie is going to have something that looks yeah, like, like that like in e. it. Yeah, like E.T., Stranger Things. Yeah. 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 There was one particular shot where like there's a few moments where uh, uh, what's his name? Josh. Josh. No, Zach is like biking super fast. And there was one where they were just like really close up on his face and he was just like breathing super hard. And his breathing was like really loud over the soundtrack, which was almost giving me like anime vibes like. You know how there's there will be like moments in anime where the characters like hustling super hard and you just like hear their breathing really loud and like the the like the sky is like whipping past them in the background and like there was just this one really intense biking shot in this movie that I thought was super cool. A lot of like just very kind of nice like subtle sort of like shots that like kind of ramp up the intensity a lot in this movie. Um you know we've mm-hmm. talked about a lot of those moments, but they did a good job of like bringing the intensity way up like suddenly in a way that was just like you know kind of captivating um but yeah let's 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 get into the ratings bryce yes i mean we've kind of like dunked on this movie for a while but like in my first impression like i still did say i liked it um like i it definitely had like a i don't know like an emotional like physical impact on me like kind of feeling a little sick to my stomach like disturbed during it um so it was definitely like you know some decent filmmaking going on here. Um, you know, some of the cinematography was pretty striking, but as Chris said, some of it was also pretty bad. Um, I just kind of like, like the the basic concept of sort of the the life is strange meets meets Stephen King's story. But as we have discussed, there are kind of a bunch of shortcomings and far as far as like scenes, or shots, or, or story elements that, that don't go anywhere. But um, overall, I was like, you know, I wasn't like bored watching this i wasn't like wanting to to stop watching i wanted to i was still invested in wanting to see like what was going to happen scene to scene so um i think it still gets a three and a half stars from me mm-hmm. mm. cole what do you got yeah so so i came in i had rated my film or rate my film rated this film on my letterbox and after some discussion it kind of um oddly enough had the opposite effect of most discussions of the podcast it brought the film down for me a bit um <laughs> I still think I I liked it overall. I, I will comment, Chris. I know last episode you said that you wanted to pick something controversial that would get us to to fight with each other again. But I think we all universally kind of or like across the board panned the film. Um, yeah. I, I will say I, I think there are aspects of this film that are good. I think it's even maybe worth a watch. Like I think it's still like a good watch. But um, I, I'm going to give it three, three out of five stars. Mm. Yeah, I mean. When I watch this film again, like I think one thing is that like without the benefit of the twist, I think a film that relies on a twist, if we can even call it a twist in this movie, but mm-hmm. let's say it's a twist, a film that relies on a twist, it should still have enough meat there to be worth coming back to, even if you do know kind of what's going to happen. Otherwise, it's sort of like it's kind of if, you, if, if shock value is the only thing that really gives it that oomph then it's kind of hard to say like, Oh, it's a great movie. Um, 
And this movie, like upon second viewing and with the perspective of having watched a lot more films, the weaknesses of it really kind of jump out at me. Um, there's still like some, obviously some awesome things that are done with the tone and the cinematography. And like, honestly, it's, it's really well directed. And I'm surprised that this guy, Kevin Phillips has like never worked since this movie. According to IMDb. I was was looking at his page and like he, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm I'm a big fan of like the Lumineers, the the band and like their, their third album is like this, um, it's like this, like, kind of like. A story that that goes through like three generations of a family hmm. with addiction and stuff and there's like every song in the movie or every song in the album got like made into like a, a music video oh um, and like cast members will like appear throughout different videos and i think the guy josh is actually like one of the characters in it and the guy oh. that directed this like directed that that entire i guess like the whole album essentially like has a movie that's the same length of the album oh, i haven't okay. watched it yet but I'm, I'm definitely going to mm. check it out after mm. this. I knew it existed, oh, yeah, I, but I'd, I'd never seen it. I think he's a good director, and I think you know I think he did a, a pretty good job here. Really, the weaknesses are in in the script, and just you know, a, a, they there wasn't a clear vision of like what to do with all the setup, and also like there was some character kind of angles that were set up that were kind of not used at all. Like the whole Allison kind of subplot character arc didn't really amount to much so it's it seems like a bit like an exercise in wasted potential but i think this movie could have been really good um if it had just been a bit if if maybe like a few more revisions of the story and just kind of straighten some things out and give it more of a clear kind of intention um so you know i i think when i first watched this movie i think i, I in my head it was something really high like a four and a half stars but but now it's 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 a three and a half um, for me. Mm. So what does Still that give 10. us? That's ten. Ten. I mean, not yeah, essential it, viewing. Not essential viewing, but I think like I think we can agree that like there are worse like thrillers you could put on if you want to watch a thriller <laughs> on like a oh yeah a, absolutely a Friday night and you got you're not going out and you want to see something that's going to give you a bit of a jolt. You know, yeah, yeah, not, not not essential viewing in any sense, but you know, still still a decent watch. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, so, what I are we watching it, next I think week? A Ten out of fifteen is very fair. Yeah, yeah. it seems seems about right. Uh, next week, this is a, this is a big one. This is probably, dare I say, this is our biggest. We we didn't our, we didn't do dry January. We had dry February for the essential viewing yeah. gang, and now it's March. Well, so what are we watching, Chris? What's coming well, out? Well, next week we've got the biggest release of the year so far. This is The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Barry Keoghan, are oh, one of our Je- favorites here on the podcast. Jeffrey Wright, I, too. Jeffrey Wright, Colin there. Farrell, John Turturro, Andy Serkis. Oh, man. It's, I didn't it's know Barry Keoghan was in it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, and direct, written and directed written by and directed by, by Matt, Matt Reeves. Reeves. Yeah. yeah. So that this is big. Uh, I I bought my tickets to this one like two weeks ago, because here oh, in New man. York you got to get the tickets early, or it'll be sold out. Um, but yeah, we'll be back with the Batman live here on Essential Viewing. <laughs> Which we live format. Be, the episode will not be actually live, but we will live be watching, streamed watching across a new, the globe. A new release movie. We'll, we'll, no, we'll we're report. Gonna be, 
<laughs> we'll record ourselves while we're watching the film so we can yes. it's like live live tweeting yes. but uh, it's recorded and it'll be three hours long yeah so join us next week for our live broadcast from gotham city for the batman <laughs> until then i'm christian cuevas here with cole Beelan. and bryce kramer and thank you for listening we'll see you next time <laughs>